0: Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
1: Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. This is MPB News.
0: Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast.
2: Good morning, it's 8.30 on Monday, May 18th. I'm Desiree Frazier and for Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, tattoo parlors and casinos get the green light to reopen, and...
3: We had hours and hours of negotiations about how to spend the small business money, and we eventually came up with $300 million.
2: We talk to the lieutenant governor about the spa business grant programs. Then, the Mississippi Center for Justice files a lawsuit against two state prisons. Plus, we look at how the Jackson Municipal Airport Authority is keeping travelers safe. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio more mississippi businesses are expected to reopen this week after a number of phases allowing retail stores salons and barbershops to resume business tattoo parlors and casinos are now getting the green light to reopen their doors during his daily press briefing on friday governor tate reeves announced the new executive order
1: our safer at home order does not expire until may 25th but i don't want to wait if there are things that we can safely do to allow people to return to work. To that end, I signed a new executive order today. It amends our current Safer at Home order. It allows tattoo parlors to reopen with health guidelines that are very similar to those for salons and barbers. It is an effort to affirm that there is no such thing as a non-essential business to those workers who rely on its paycheck for food and shelter. I want to also update the people of this great state on another reopening. We have been working with the Gaming Commission, and they have set a date and guidelines for casino workers to safely return to work. They will be able, should they choose, to open on May 21st. It will not be at full capacity, and there will be social distancing rules in place. But it is progress. Progress for an industry that employs tens of thousands of Mississippians.
2: The order allows tattoo parlors to open once health restrictions are put in place. Casinos are set to reopen May 21st. Reeves says he is allowing businesses to reopen because he believes personal responsibility is better than government order. He also calls efforts to delay until a vaccine or more reliable treatments are available counterproductive.
1: I asked you, in fact, I pleaded with you, To help us, to sacrifice for a specific goal, to slow the spread so that our healthcare system will not be overwhelmed. I do not understand those people who say we cannot reopen until there is a cure or until the threat is gone. That is not what the people of this country, nor is that what the people of this state agreed to. The only authority that the government has comes from the consent of the governed, it comes from the consent of the people. We have to honor our commitments. Moving the goalpost in the middle of the game is counterproductive and just plain wrong. Personal responsibility is better than any government order. Guidelines are better than lockdowns. Trust with risk is better than unchecked government power. As we work to keep reopening, that's what we're all counting on.
2: The announcement allowing tattoo parlors and casinos to open capped a busy week of relief for Mississippi's small businesses. Last week, the legislature passed a $300 million package for those businesses with federal funds provided through the CARE Act. This followed a heated battle with Governor Reeves and leaders in the legislature over who would control the appropriation of the $1.25 billion of relief money. Lieutenant Governor Delbert Hoseman joins our Karen Brown to share his thoughts on the clash and what the legislature has planned for the rest of the CARES Act funds.
3: We believe, uh, and I believe specifically, that the legislature is the appropriating body. And it's been in the Constitution since like 1890, and there's several uh, Supreme Court cases that say we're the appropriating body. And when when the money was sent down here from, from the uh, Coronavirus Relief Fund, there were about 10 different parts of it, basically adding up to about $2.3 billion. Uh, some of that went directly to education. Several hundred million dollars went directly to education into to uh, Department of Human Services, which, of course, the governor controls, and others got about $800 million directly appropriated. Then there was a fund uh, of $1.25 billion that was in the Coronavirus Relief Fund. And it was specifically came to the state of Mississippi. In fact, the check was made to the state of Mississippi. And so the legislature uh, believed, I believed, and the Senate believed, and and the House, and Philip Gunn believed that that, those money should be appropriated in the normal course. And so that started a process which ended yesterday where we had hours and hours of negotiations about how to spend the small business money. And we eventually came up with $300 million, about 25% of the whole fund being sent to small businesses in Mississippi.
0: Do you feel like the relationship between uh, you and Speaker Gunn and the governor uh, is mended that you can move forward without any hard feelings?
3: Well, I I can only, like everything, I can only speak for myself. As far as I'm concerned, his answer is yes. Uh, We went over to uh, Monday and had lunch at the mansion, and uh, we discussed some of this, but a lot of our discussion was on the financial situation of the state. Uh, it's, It's a it, we're just like everybody else. I've got the same amount of expenses and and, and a reduced income. Our discussions with, at lunch with the governor, uh, revolved a lot around where we're going to be between here and June the thirtieth. Um, as you know, we lost two hundred and forty million dollars last month, and uh, we're not looking for a good month this one. Uh, so we discussed a lot about that and how we would how we would <clears throat> work together going forward to balance the states checkbook.
4: I do
0: want to go back to the um, this $300 million package for small businesses, $2,000 grants to small businesses that were closed, and then anywhere from $1,500 to $25,000 to businesses who haven't already received federal funds who've been impacted. Who's going to determine how much money a business would
3: receive? The business will apply for it, and I met uh, – as soon as the bill was passed, I met with MDA yesterday – and we'll be meeting with them again today on on uh, a portal for that, uh, uh, you know, a one-page, hopefully, uh, application form that you'll be able to do on the Internet. So uh, this next three weeks, we'll be doing a lot of reach-outs, I think, to small businesses and. You remember, Karen? Uh, about 19,600 small businesses, or 19,600 Mississippi businesses, got about 700 million dollars in the first government uh, payout. We now, have, have for the next 21 days, the first 21 days of this, we will emphasize everybody that did not make get money from the federal government. And I and I talked to a lady that runs a hairdressing salon today. And she was indicating that she didn't apply for the first one. By the time she applied, she couldn't get any of that kind of thing. Well, we're aiming it at small businesses the first three weeks that did not get any money. We felt that was very appropriate. And after that, all small businesses will fall into the remaining amount.
0: In their application, they will request a specific amount of money?
3: Yes, that's correct. What you what you will see is a form that gives your name and, of course, Social Security or ID number or whatever your business is. Then, then you'll see uh, we'll we'll have some examples like what was your rent, what was your salary, monthly average salary, monthly average rent, interest, utilities, that kind of thing. Then times two because we're covering two months, and that equals X. And so whatever whatever if you multiply times two and uh, give us just the very basic information. Uh, On the uh, we do have a provision if you got PPP that you can be reduced by one half of whatever you would have gotten.
0: Once a business owner is approved, when can they expect to see their money?
3: Quickly, uh, the first check uh, discussions were um, went through a lot of this, but the first check is two thousand dollars, and that is by your actual designation uh, that you file with the Secretary of State's office. Uh, when you uh, did your LLC or corporation or small business. And the uh, Department of Revenue has that. There are approximately 30,000 of those designations. Those are barbers, restaurants, uh, hairstylists, uh, various. There's about 11 different small different designations. Each one of them will get $2,000 check coming hopefully very quickly. We've authorized it, and the money's been there, and I know the Department of Revenue is in, uh, working on that today. Then the second part, we should have an application out within the first within a week. And uh, application form will go on MDA's thing. There'll be a lot of public service announcements. We'll ask you and your organization to let people know how to go online and, and apply. Once they apply, we're we're expecting a very quick delivery of compensation after that.
2: Those
0: who receive the two thousand dollar grant automatically, are they also eligible to apply for the second part?
3: They will, yes, ma'am, and and uh, you should assume most of those businesses will get two checks. They'll get the $2,000 check, and then when they apply, they may get up to 25000 Some Many businesses in Mississippi, small businesses in Mississippi that did not get PPP from the government may end up getting a $27,000 check.
2: Republican Delbert Holzman is the lieutenant governor of Mississippi in part two of our conversation.
3: I have been a proponent of providing every single child here with the, uh, with the appropriate technology that goes to school here.
2: That's tomorrow. Coming up next, the Mississippi Center for Justice files a lawsuit against two state prisons. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Concerns over transmission of COVID-19 and long-term care and high-density facilities are growing. This includes prisons, where Governor Tate Reeves and other officials say the spread of the coronavirus is relatively contained. But Mississippi Center for Justice and partners think the state can do more and have filed a class-action lawsuit against the Department of Corrections. Paluma Wu, an attorney with the Center for Justice, says they want the state's two largest prisons, which are in Rankin and Greens County, to follow CDC guidelines for correctional facilities to prevent COVID-19 infections.
5: The Mississippi Center for Justice and Partners um, brought suit on behalf of nine individuals held at Central Mississippi Correctional Facility and um, South Mississippi Correctional Institution, the two largest um, prisons in the Mississippi system, um, for failure to implement um, adequate coronavirus precautions.
2: Do you know if there are any precautions being taken? Because we have been told by uh, the Mississippi Department of Corrections that officers now have face masks and inmates have face masks and they are doing what they can to protect them from contracting the virus.
5: Uh, we have also heard that masks have been provided and um, we've heard pretty much universally that people are not wearing them Um, and at least one instance people have been forbidden from wearing them because um, a security concern about um, not being able to identify people's faces. Um, For guards, um, you know, we've heard people, uh, you know, guards since about mid-April were um, being given masks but also that they, some are wearing them and some aren't wearing them. So, um, you know, this goes to sort of, you know, I guess a, a A theme that that arose in the investigation and the lawsuit, which is this gap between um, sort of what you say you've done and um, the level of implementation of um, that policy or procedure.
2: We're hearing from MDOC, I believe the last count was maybe seven employees had uh, contracted the virus and three or four inmates, which is a relatively small number, although you don't want anybody to get sick. Compared to what is happening in other states, why bring this lawsuit?
5: Well, two reasons. Um, one is um, after our investigation, um, we have reason, um, good reason, um, to suspect that the, um, there are people who. Sh- ought to be um, tested for symptoms that haven't been tested and that there are um, people who um, have tried to get tested and, and and haven't been able to. So that's one issue with testing. Um, the MDOC has said, um, and best practices are that uh, more than best practices, just sort of basic um, ways to keep folks safe, say that you know, you need to apply the same testing criteria in prisons as you do the community, um, at the very least, um, even though in prisons, people are at much higher risk of, you know, rapid transmission, so that there are um, many people that think that you should actually uh, apply a, a, a more uh, rigorous um, testing um, policy. Uh, for us, we're just saying right now, they're not doing what they say that they're doing. Um, so we think the numbers may be artificially low, um, But for a second, completely uh, separate reason, um, we're bringing this lawsuit because MDOC can't, you know, indefinitely stop accepting transfers. This pandemic is here to stay. So this is a timely, um, you know, think, lawsuit, um, both because um, the procedures that they have now are inadequate, legally inadequate, um, and then we believe that they're actually going to have need of of much uh, more robust procedures um, in the future.
2: What are you asking these two facilities to do?
5: We're asking the facilities to implement what we think are the rudimentary, you know, basic um, policies to keep people safe and Relatively safe and stave off disaster. We're not asking, you know, for the gold standard, the silver standard, the bronze standard. We're asking for, you know, what experts, you know, have said are, um, you know, kind of less effective than not running overcrowded institutions, which is what we do. We're asking for you got to give people enough soap. They're running out of soap. you got to give people a way to um, materials to clean with. They do not have, many. In, in many places, they don't have materials to clean with. They're using their personal towels that are un, unlaundered. We're asking that people have a way to notify staff um, if they're having coronavirus symptoms. Right now, when you have one guard, um, watching 100 to 200, or sometimes running back and forth between two buildings, so 300 and 400 people at one time, you can imagine that there's no functional way to to notify um, staff if you're having coronavirus symptoms and to get promptly isolated and tested. Um, so there's got to be a means for coronavirus you know, precautions to be implemented in the face of what is you know MDOC operating institutions at double their operational capacity. It will be difficult if they want to keep institutions as overcrowded as they are as understaffed as they are it will be very difficult to implement you know legally adequate coronavirus precautions
2: and you're alleging that people with symptoms are not all being tested
5: we have um we have evidence that people with symptoms have not been immediately isolated and or tested
2: are they being treated at all are you aware well, because there is no treatment or cure
5: for coronavirus at this point, um, people have not been appropriately treated. We have uh, evidence that they've been given cold medicine and sent back to the unit or given antibiotics, but that's not a cure, so people will die just as easily with or without cold treatment if they have coronavirus, and I'll spread it to everybody else um, if, if they're not isolated uh, immediately. And that's a problem when you have one guard guarding one to 400 people to do immediate isolation and testing.
2: Paloma Wu is an attorney with the Mississippi Center for Justice. Coming up, we look at how the Jackson Municipal Airport Authority is keeping travelers safe. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. The Jackson Municipal Airport Authority is working with its air service providers to share new safety policies at the state's busiest airport. The new policies are issued by Delta, American, and United Airlines, all of which provide legacy air service at the Jackson-Megger-Wiley-Evers International Airport. LaCherie Dean is the Public Information Officer with JMAA. She shares what the airlines and the authority are doing to keep travelers safe
4: actually kicked off our safety measures back in january we began planning and implementing hand sanit- uh putting pa- i'm sorry placing hand sanitizer stations throughout the main terminal the concourses uh baggage claim areas and most um importantly the areas where our employees and our um, passengers are frequent are you recommending people wear masks We are recommending that our passengers and our employees wear face coverings. Um, We're not limiting it to face masks, per se, but we are recommending that all passengers and employees wear face coverings. But you are not requiring that from employees or passengers? It has not been made a requirement from the JMAA, from the authority. The airlines, on the other hand, have issued a requirement, um, for travelers to wear face covering. And that was my
0: next question. How, What the airlines are doing, are, are they um, doing what you're doing or, or similar measures that you're taking?
4: So as far as the airlines um, like on their planes or at their stations um, that the airline, they control those areas. However, what I do what we are um, working with the airlines on is for sure, as I just stated, Delta, United, and American are three main legacy airlines at JAN. They are, they have already implemented the requirement for passengers to wear face coverings, and that started May 11th with Delta and with United. Uh, American Airlines um, was strongly encouraging it up until May 13th, where they now are requiring face coverings. Uh, the airlines are also um, providing complimentary face masks or face coverings for passengers who may not have one upon their arrival for travel. So it, it, and as well as JMAA, soon we'll be doing the same thing. We'll be working in concert with the airlines to provide face coverings for passengers who may not have them prior to going through the checkpoints. Um, there's also uh, been uh, implementation of social distancing, at the boarding gates. So the airlines have um, implemented that statute where um, passengers are to remain at a six-feet social distancing when they're standing in the lines getting ready to board. Um, They've been deep cleaning at their ticket counters, gate areas, as well as the board. What's the economic
0: impact on the airport itself? If you could break down where the the greatest loss of revenue might be? As you would
4: probably guess, the industry as a whole, the aviation industry as a whole, has taken a major hit. Um, it, it more so, what most people would say, more so than nine eleven, 11 Flight schedules for Jackson Municipal, or for jackson Megawally evers International Airport has decreased 65 to 75%. Um, our passenger... Traffic has also reduced 90 to 95% from previous levels. Um, parking is the bread and butter. However, it's, um, had a significant, it's, it's a very significant contributor to our revenue. Um, and it has decreased by 90%. There's also been a decline, um, a severe decline in with the effect of the authority. In itself, Um, employees and different partners, tenants, concessions, they've all received some form of um, impact due to this virus. Have you had to lay off employees? We've had to, unfortunately, reduce some staff. About 7% of our staff has been reduced. We've also reduced our contractors um, by 67%.
0: Cherie, what would you like to tell those who might like to travel
4: but are nervous about traveling? Well, it's okay to be nervous. But what we want to instill upon our passengers, um, our stakeholders, our employees, is that JMAA continues to adhere to the CDC guidelines. But we're moving forward. We're looking forward into um, – you know, passengers rejoining the friendly skies. But for those who are nervous, we are working in concert together to make sure that we're providing a clean, healthy, safe environment for our passengers.
0: Sheree Dean is the public information officer for JMAA, which is Jackson Municipal Airport Authority. Sheree, thank you
2: very much. Thank you, Karen. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.